to happen. Um, just the way the season ended, and he, you know, the, his last Joe Judge's last three weeks, he had to be gone. I couldn't see it, but I read an interesting um, theory as, as to why it actually happened. Because even after all that, ownership still didn't really want to fire Judge. Well, half of ownership didn't. It seemed yeah. like Mara Mar wanted to keep him, but Tish Tish didn't. Um, but it can't, I don't know if we want to talk about it on the show. I mean, I'm kind of over the Giants, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> wait, so wait, wait, yeah, save save that for the show. I want to hear okay. that on the air. All right. The fact that you're over the Giants—that's shocking. It's like Daryl saying he's over the Celtics. I look, I, I, I will. I, I I am over them now, and at the start of next season, I will think they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's how my fandom works. <laughs> God. So. You're both suckers. I mean, I I mean, I kind of hit that point with the Knicks, right? After being a fan of a James Dolan on team for thirty <laughs> years, yeah. And then you know, like I, <laughs> I feel like I ruined the Blazers, though. Like I got out here, I latched onto them, and now they're the look through the Knicks. Yeah, well, and I I saw uh, Lillard is hurt now, right? Dame is out for uh, he, six to eight weeks or something. Well, he, he's had this abdominal tendon injury for like three or four years now. So I guess realizing that they, you know, they're going nowhere this year. So, um, yeah, they shut him down about two weeks ago, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe about 10 days ago. And then uh, Thursday he had surgery. Um, so and they're, that's reevaluating him in six to eight weeks. It does, I don't think he's coming back this year. I mean, that by that point, they're going to be, you know, 40 games out of it. So. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't see him playing again this year. And I, the team's going to look a lot different next year too, but um, they got to find somewhere to send McCollum because he just gets paid too much next year. It's tough to find a trade partner for a guy who makes, is going to make $66 million the next two years. Yeah, maybe Philly will buy in. Uh, it wouldn't be a bad match actually. He actually wouldn't be a bad fit in Boston either. I've been trying yeah. all year to trade him, trade him to Boston for <laughs> Brown or Smart. I mean, I, I'd give him McCollum, Nurkic, and Covington for Jalen Brown, and then there's some salary that has to come back. It'd probably be Horford, but you know they could they could match it up. the The Blazers are going to have a lottery pick this year too, and it's um they lose it if they're in, they lose their first round pick if they're in the playoffs. So. At least they should have like a you know number eight, number six pick to trade to. So, but then they've also got an interim GM. So they fired the GM. I don't know if you remember this. It was like fifteen, twenty games into the season, they fired him for basically being an asshole. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So the guy in place supposedly has Lillard's support to get the permanent job, which right now that seems to be all that matters. Like that's why Billups got hired. That's why they're yeah. keeping him. I think Billups comes back next year just be just because of that. I wouldn't bring him back otherwise. I don't think he's done a very good job. But as as we know, I would had a previous bias against the man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all that stuff aside, I mean, I, I don't, I don't pay attention. I know the Blazers are not doing well, but I, that doesn't necessarily mean he's doing a bad job coaching. And I haven't watched any Blazers games to know his, you know, how his coaching is affecting the team. They've had a lot of injuries, obviously, and um, and a lot of COVID. A lot of guys missed time because of COVID, too. Um, like, they've used I, – I remember I just used this the other day in an article. They 
they've used 13 or 14 different lineups in their last 20 games. So they just haven't had, you know, they signed four players to 10 day contracts and now all, all four of them are gone. Like it it's just been a chaotic time, but he's also their, their defensive strategy is to run the big guys up on pick and rolls. So like they get a pick and roll, they, they send both players onto the ball and the problem is Nurkic and Covington aren't fast enough to recover from that. And everybody who watches the Blazers realize that by about the third game of the season, Billups still hasn't realized that. And he's still running these guys out on screens. And it's just so frustrating to watch sometimes. And they also, he's as a, as a like creative point guard, he just wants to give the guys the ball and let them play. And they their offense is so much better when they're moving the ball around and when they're cutting and when they're doing, you know, Warriors type things instead of, you know, one on one type things. So I, I, he just I don't know what what he's watching sometimes, like with his rotations too, with his substitutions. I don't know. It's there. Like I said, I, I feel like I'm the pro like I brought the problem with me, <laughs> the frustrating to watch NBA basketball teams. But yeah, the curse of Joe. At least they, uh, at least they can shoot. At least they can shoot and score. The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original host of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other host, guest, or programs on this station. And so, welcome to Sports Plus with Baker, Big D, and Joe. And welcome, gentlemen. Morning, sir. But I just Good want to morning. say officially, blah, 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 we speak for all men. That's what I, that's what I wanted to say <laughs> right at the top here. And we, we should. We're smart enough. <laughs> and and authoritative. Or sure, sure of ourselves enough. Let's just hey, say that. There's, there's no other, there's no better way to be, I guess, right? You, you have to believe in yourself. Well, isn't that, what, who was it that said that they, there's nothing more overpowering than the false confidence of a white man. So we've got that times three. Here. <laughs> I think there's that covered. I think, Darryl, middle, I, think, I think middle age uh, was in there too. So we got that more than covered. Uh, I am recovering. I had uh, I actually, I mean, it was kind of a scare during this COVID times to get sick. And uh, so about five days ago, I caught a real bad cold and um you know fortunately i get tested every week and uh the nurse also gave me an extra test test because i was and so i do a pool testing and then uh and this last wednesday she also gave me an individual test because she could see that i'd been sick and uh the pool testing came back positive there was a positive person so yesterday i thought Oh boy, I've been exposed and um, went into started to go into the nurse when she called me up on the phone. She said, we identified the positive person uh, and we've we're dealing with them. And uh, I also remembered that I gave you an individual test that was also negative. So I went from being incredibly scared to feeling incredibly great that, uh, you know, that I've been sick. I'm just getting over it today. I've, I, my voice is almost back, but I just had to do the kids show. So that's an hour's worth of talking. And now, so, you know, but you know, the good thing is about this show is that you guys do most of the talking. I just throw in my occasional bit of wisdom. 
Well, I, I think actually you gave me your cold. I don't I don't have it as bad as you did last week, but I've been congested and my throat's been a little sore for the last couple of days. So I think however you gave me a cold over Zoom, I don't know, but I, I think I caught it. That's that's that is really going, you know, that is um and and that that's a new big lie. That's the most 2022 thing ever, actually, is getting yeah, sick really from is. somebody over yeah. Zoom. Caught it through a Zoom. <laughs> It's very funny. Um, so lots to talk about. Now, I want to make sure that at one point, because I know we'll get busy on a lot of things, but that we mention uh, Djokovic. Oh, yeah, we can st- actually start there. That has yeah. been okay. so, and even like we had confusion last week mm-hmm. that, you know, we didn't know what was going on because it's changed. It seems like it's changed five times. Like he's been he's been suspended and reinstated more times in the last week than Steve Howe was in the 80s for the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that's going back. So, yeah, but hats off to Australia. I mean, they got standards, and, you know, Djokovic, because he's so great, was just going to slide by him. And he also, the thing that really upsets me is he lied. Oh, you know, um, oh, I made a mistake. You know, uh, two different things on his application were not true. He had not isolated for 14 days and he, you know, something else, another part of it that he filled in was untrue. So I find that really unbecoming and, um, and, uh, you know, of, of the world's top tennis player and a really uh, inspiration to a lot of people across the, across the world. And, you know, I mean, yeah, he's immunized and that's great. But, um, you know, the, the truth makes me really dislike him. Well, the thing is, too, and we saw this with Rogers, too, right? All these these players who wanted not not get vaccinated, they all have to make up this elaborate construction, this half truths and and things to get around it. It just it, it indicates that they know they're making a bad decision. They know they're doing the wrong thing. You know, like you heard this all your life as growing up that you know internally whether a decision you're making is a is the right or wrong thing to do. And when you have to do a bunch of other things to sort of work around and cover up the decision that you're actually making, that's when you know something is the wrong thing to do. And to see it repeated over and over again, it's kind of frustrating. So, you know, I'm going to play the other side here a little bit. Oh, God. Sure, you can't. <laughs> no, well, but I, I, I understand the point you're making, but is that because, you know, trying to cover up whether or not they got vaccinated, is that because they feel like they're making a bad decision or are they trying to avoid the public shaming them or, or making them think that they're making a bad decision. Is it, is it the public backlash? I don't want to hear it. So I'm going to say I'm immune immunized, but that's the, that's the consequence you face when you make that decision. But when you make a decision, when you make a decision to compromise public health, you should get some public backlash. Okay. So let me, let me say this now, now that we're here, I think it's fair to say the vaccine is more about personal health than public health. Let's keep it in sports. The NFL. Oh, hold, on. No, no, no. hold on. Hold on. You huff and puff, but hold on. <laughs> the NFL is 95% vaccinated. Did that What's stop the virus? What's from- your point? That, that's why it's safe. Look at how many people got it, though. Look, so how, many it, people, it, look how many people. Stop- 
vaccinated people have gotten Omicron. It's ex- incredibly invasive, and none yeah. of the vaccinated people. So it's not very, public health. Been, You're not stopping. Really, really My sick. point is how many uh, how many NFL players died, Matt? No, how many okay. NFL, yes. how many how, how many NFL players died this year? that's and how my perspective you're right it's helping the person who's vaccinated public health in my mind and, and maybe let's clarify in my mind if you're telling me it's a public health issue you're telling me if i'm vaccinated i'm gonna stop other people from getting it i'm not if i am vaccinated i am going to protect myself if i'm unvaccinated i am not protected so i view this as a personal health. So you're saying it's not a public health decision because if someone else decides not to take the vaccine and they die, that's not a public health matter. That was their choice. I'm over this. (laughs) You are a cold, cold man, Matt Baker. But the main thing is how how does tell me answer this. How does a vaccinated person protect anybody else? If we know it goes around. Daryl, you take it. Say it go ahead. The way that a vaccinated person help society is once people get 70, 80% vaccinated, then the, the virus doesn't have its ample, uh, you know, playing field. It's like put away into a little corner and we did not do that. And that's why Omicron came around. Okay. And that's why we don't have measles or any uh, of these other long outdated diseases. Uh, and so, and that's that's the public health concern that I'm talking about, that if more people had gotten vaccinated initially, we wouldn't be still dealing with this two years later. See, I, I think like, again, I, I, I get what you're saying. And again, it's I, this is not a don't get vaccinated argument for me. I just I've always felt like it was it's a personal choice. And I think. Again, you say, oh, if we were 90, if we were 75, you know, the, the NFL, again, is 95% vaccinated. Right, and nobody's dying. That's Joe's oh, point. Yes. Well, it's, it's also not, it's also, the NFL is not also, also, it's also not a closed society. Those no, players are interacting with a lot of other people besides mm. the, their fellow NFL players. And all the coaches are too. Yeah, but, but I mean, I, I, I agree, no, and nobody's dying. That's proof that the vaccine works. Again, this is not a don't get vaccinated argument I'm making. It's it's that it's more though that it's just I still feel like it's it's a personal choice. And if yeah, okay. for whatever reason, if you're choosing not to do it, I don't know why you are. Okay, but, but Matt, not to do is, it, you took the measles vaccine. Was that a personal choice? I mean, I think I took had to get it when I was a kid, so it wasn't right. much. Of a so was that choice a personal choice? Right. But I mean, no, 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 no. So was that no, he a doesn't he doesn't choice. want to answer our questions no, when he, I don't under, when I mean, he what, So it, it wasn't a personal I, choice. It was my parents' choice, wasn't yeah. it? No, it wasn't. You wouldn't have been able oh. to go to school. Just like, hopefully, well, just like right now, UMass basketball is just doing a great, great, great thing. You have to show your vaccine card to get in the door and you have to show the updated booster on it too, or they won't let you in the door. When you sit down, they won't let you take your mask off the whole But What does game. that guarantee? What does that guarantee? What does that guarantee is that the people that are at the game have a much higher chance of being safe. So in the NBA bubble, but, Matt, in the NBA bubble, the mask work, no one could go to the NBA bubble unless they were vaccinated and they had 
a um, the NBA bubble was before vaccine. Well, before no, but they had the they had the isolation protocols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know how many people got you know how many people had got positive tests? Zero. Zero. So if you keep a closed, don't make a positive. I don't. Think it, that's. What but if you keep a closed, I'm saying if you keep a closed environment, you can you can test these things. But you can't say positive tests in the NFL are indication that the vaccinate that the vaccine wouldn't have wiped out the disease, or at least like Daryl said, put it into a tiny little corner of the of the globe somewhere. I, but it, but I get it. I, I, I again, it's I. I <laughs> Part of it is just fun debate, right? But it's fun it, it, for you, except, man. My blood pressure is no, like 300 over 200 right now. Americans dead. You're killing a lot of people. But, yeah. But the, uh, if you are vaccinated, you are protected from severe reaction or severe side effects from COVID and hospital. You are protected to, by to that. To like a 90-something percent. Again, it's yeah, not a guarantee. That, that's that's pretty good right but it's still, there's still 97 it's not 100 and it sounds great for you because you're on the you're in the healthy group but for daryl and i who are in that three percent of fat sick people we got problems if if it's three percent or one percent but that's life I, like I, that's, I, I guess I, I oh, know that's God, it doesn't have to be. It wouldn't have to be if so many people weren't so selfish and stupid like Novak Djokovic. And Aaron Rodgers. And also, Matt, I disagree. That, that I disagree. Unlike unlike measles and mumps, which you would not never make the same argument that you're making right now. You know, the, this is the same as measles and mumps. This is a public health crisis. We all have to do what's best for our society, and that is to get vaccinated. Period. End of story. It's, so it's not really a choice. Not if you're a caring part of society. Right. And that's what this tells me. When someone says they're not vaccinated, it says to me, I put my paranoia above a, a clearly obvious public health concern. And I, I understand what you're saying, Matt, that primarily these people are hurting themselves. And there is a little bit of eh, when I because you hear you see all these stories, right, about these people who 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 shun the vaccine and, you know, had arguments with their families for months and months and then got it and died, you know, refused to be vaccinated, got the disease and died and then changed their minds on their deathbed. You see dozens of these stories, but I, you know, there's no satisfaction in that. No one should be dying. No. no one has to die. And if they kill, if all these selfish people have killed one innocent person, then F you is my is my feeling where you're just like yeah let them be let them kill themselves they're not just killing themselves they're they, it is it is a public health matter and it doesn't it's it's not just restricted to these people who aren't getting vaccinated There's, let me ask you a, a hypothetical matt so if you're driving drunk is that um just dangerous to yourself no no of course right. not and it's the same not, the I, same thing I, if, but if it's you're driving sober, if you're driving sober, are, are, can you still get into a car accident? Absolutely. My point is, especially now, especially now, this Omicron variant that appears to have actually come from a different part of the world, didn't even come from the U.S., so again, like, I, I, and I think it was a falsehood from the beginning to think that, hey, we can beat this. We can get everybody on Earth no. vaccinated. No, it was not a falsehood. 
we were not there. Daryl, why did no child left behind? Why was that fundamentally flawed? That's an educational thing, right? Bush's concept of no child left behind was to get 100% of children uh, efficient in reading and math and everything right. like that. We so know. it's a great, sure. because sounds there was no financial paper. support for it. There was no, it sounds, was. Sounds great on paper, but we also know you're not going to get 100% of children proficient in education. We don't all learn the same. We have right. to, like, that's, I don't right, think. Shouldn't the stated goal of a of a NFL team every year to be, we're going to win all 17 games and win the Super Bowl, even though you know it's not likely and it never happens, shouldn't that be your goal? Yeah, sure. So what's wrong with setting a goal of zero children left behind? Knowing that you, you, there's going to be well, 12 or whatever, 28 million well, or however there, many. There were, there were more things in there, but but that's a fundamental, that's that's not going to happen. And you don't set a goal in the NFL. You're not like, oh, we lost week two. I guess our season's over. Like you still, you, and I'm pretty sure the NFL, you know, at, at a professional level, your goal isn't to go 17, 18 and 0. Your goal is to go one and 0 each week. Like you're going to be a little bit more short-sighted in that. I just think, I mean, I disagree with that. There's not a football team in the world that doesn't set like concrete goals for itself at the beginning of the season from peewee football to, to the NFL. But for that point, you're not just like, oh, 17 and 0 were failure. No, but no one says that a 93% vaccination rate would be a failure. An 80% rate would be a huge success. Yeah, it would. But, but I also think like, do you logically if if does it i i guess i think it was not realistic to expect 80% of let's just say our country <laughs> to jump on board of this brand new vaccine that came out faster than anything in in medical history to just jump on board and be like, yup, I'm trusting you, government. Yup, I'm trusting you, big pharmacy. Yup, I'm trusting you. I don't think that was realistic. And I think it gave us a false sense of hope and security. And then a virus did what a virus does. It's going to mutate. It wants to live. It wants to survive. Okay. Okay. But if 10% more people had gotten vaccinated initially, none of that would have happened. That's the, that's the, that's the giant problem that we have right now that we wouldn't have. Right. We were close. We were very close. So then we and, were close. Yeah, but it was realistic to assume that people would be, you know, of all political stripes, that people would go and get vaccinated because it was clear that this was working. Now, if you want to talk about the speed, the speed of it happened only because mRNA, these new viruses, these new, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, vaccines had already been tested and started that the framework was already started. So yeah, that's, that's the myth too, is that these things were like rushed to market in three months. Right. This stuff had been, had been in development for like eight or 10 years. And they that's why they could quickly come up with um, an effective vaccine. It's um, if you just read about the science of MRNA vaccines, it is not, there's there's no reason to doubt that it it doesn't work, except Especially, if you except if you're a kooky right winger, right, and making up this stuff. It's just like why masks oh. work. 
you know, I, so I was watching um, Indiana play the Celtics. They were in Indiana. And I looked at uh, the audience in the game and realized they were all unmasked. And I, my daughter lives at Purdue in, in uh, Indiana, and I texted her that, and she texted back how that it's just a complete mess in uh, Indiana, how it's just, you know, vaccines out of control. There's no room in the hospitals. It's just terrible. Yeah, Matt, so let's talk about, uh, about again, consequences of these people's actions that affects way more than them. I haven't been to the friggin' doctor in two years to get my spine looked at because number one, I don't want to go anywhere near the hospital while there's a cloud of COVID around it. Number two, those people are so friggin' overworked. Do you have any friends in the medical industry? Do you have friends who are nurses or doctors? I do. I have Talk friends to them. teachers Talk. who are pretty overworked too. Exactly. Exactly. Well, not compared to nurses, man. They're. They're burned. But They're again, burned. You, again, all the stuff that you've had to deal with wouldn't be a problem if people would have just gotten themselves vaccinated. And I I agree that people are going to be skeptical. But to say that. That are to point fingers at the, the political polarization, this should be the one thing that is is Not outside true. of politics. There are a couple yeah. things that are outside politics. Everybody thinks Jeffrey Epstein and. Ghislaine Maxwell should be in prison. Everybody th- thinks that you, we shouldn't do things that are going to kill our grandparents. And I, I think with, if it had been stated that simply instead of turned into, I, again, I agree it was turned into a, a mm-hmm. political football and that's why we are where we are. And it's sad and it's stupid. And it's why I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, no, look, when it's all said, this was not, I was not making an anti-vaccine argument and I, yeah, do I wish this was over with? Yes, of course I do. I just, I don't, I, I guess I'm skeptical as if I think we were kind of given a little bit of the positive Kool-Aid of, yeah, we could beat it. And in hindsight, I'm kind of, especially now where I'm looking at it as the, now the third mutation, the third variant of this virus that came from a different country on another, on the other side of the globe. No, and, no, you don't know that. Well, you don't know well, that. We, we don't, there's a lot we no, don't know. No, no, no. Can I just answer that, that claim? That's, Can I answer that claim? South Africa does a great job of detecting. They detected it first. That does not mean that it originated there. And what does it matter where it originated? Yeah. It originated because for the because reason that we're talking done. about it, lack of vaccines. Uh, it does matter where it came from because that's where, if, you, you can't just sit there and, and think of it just as us as the United States is we're the only one fighting that it, it, you have to think of it globally because it's a global pandemic. Well, right. Which means it doesn't matter where it came from. And no one, Daryl's so, right. So, Daryl's know, right. They detected it in South Africa first. It doesn't mean it, it started fair. there. That's fair. Yeah. So, but I mean, let's, we, there's a lot we don't know that we take a little bit of information and call that. I mean, okay, but wait, we there's have a lot any information we know. that it came from anywhere else. No. So you have to say it came from there. Yeah, no, you don't. You, that you that say you don't matter. know where it came from. Yeah. It doesn't just, matter. Oh God, you can't just make stuff up. It doesn't become true if you keep repeating it, Trump. But then, but don't do, don't <laughs> you dare do that. Don't do that at all because that's not where I'm going. No, don't do that. 
but then no, you can't but, 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 Matt, it's very, it's, you don't know. The, but there's one there's one very simple truth that you are sort of working around, and that is what vaccines do. Do you do your kids have to worry about diphtheria or the mumps or rubella or measles? No. You know why? Because enough people got vaccinated when those things first came out that we wiped those diseases quickly off the face of the earth. The earth, the whole earth, they're gone. The same could be true of COVID. Maybe not quite yet, but we'd be a lot closer than we are now. And we wouldn't still, and again, like I said- I think the, we're closer in a sense, I think we're closer than- Well, hang on, I, because I, there's I, a second as, part of it too. There's a second part of it too, because it, again, I have to take great exception with the concept that the people who are choosing not to be vaccinated are only hurting themselves because they are, again, overloading our medical system. They are wearing out our teachers. I absolutely should be included in that statement that the, the things that teachers have gone through and parents, anyone who has kids in school, the, the, the disruptions to all of our lives, you can't say those are those consequences only affect those people who haven't been vaccinated. That's just not true. It's just not true at all. So I, I get I, to the, my original point where this all started is, is I just, I think the, what people who are vaccinated or, or people who are not vaccinated are telling the half truths, half lies to avoid this sort of, conversation. And and I just kind of think I've been saying we have to be able to figure out how to be able to live with this. And still you know, what this, you know how we live with it? He doesn't play in the Australian Open and he stays right. home. That's right. the solution. Thank, thank and you, it's Australia. only when these people, it's only when Aaron Rodgers tries to go to a damn press conference without a mask on and spit all over reporters that it becomes a problem. It's only a problem when Djokovic tries to go to Australia to play in a stupid tennis tournament. He should stay home if he's not vaccinated. That's the, that's the problem. And that's where they have to accept that there are consequences. And thank God Australia stood up to them. If there are going to be public health consequences to them not getting vaccinated, there are going to have to be administrative consequences to them not getting vaccinated. And you think that that turns the world into Nazi Germany? <laughs> Fine. Go public health. Vote, vote for Marjorie Taylor Greene for president because she'll she'll keep you. She'll uh, support uh, you. All right. So oh, Jesus. We, we, uh, uh, what else can we talk about? Um, um, so I mentioned UMass, what a great job they're doing on um, letting people into the place only if they're vaccinated. I mean, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see people being rewarded for being vaccinated. And it's beginning to happen. Yeah, let's. I think we need to give Matt some happy time now. Let's let's talk about, uh, about the Giants. Is talk about the Giants. Talk about the the house cleaning. Yeah. Talk about the Giants. Hey, it needed to get done, um, especially after the last few weeks of his press conferences. He was just a rambling idiot. Um, <laughs> Who are you talking about, Judge or Judge? Judge yeah. I mean, he. <sighs> yeah, you're right. He it's did disappointing. Know. I mean. Going into this year, it was hard to say that he was going to do a bad job because the team was finally trending up, you know, albeit they were below 500 going into right. this year, they were one game away from winning their division as bad as it was, but they yeah. were there. Would they win uh, six, six games last year? 
or were they seven, uh, six? Yeah, they were six and 10 last year, which is more wins than they had had in any of the previous. So they were trending up, um, <laughs> you know, but it had to get done. I well, but wait a minute. They also had serious injuries this year. They did. They did. You no, know, their runner and their quarterback. They did. Well, um, the, the, well, the quarter quarterback, quarterback. We can get to him in a minute too. Well, I, I think that I, I think I don't want to blame everything on Gettleman, but I think it's more of a detriment to him. You know what really was bad. You know, you saw it in in the last week of the season, the Giants are backed up on the negative five, and they do two quarterback <laughs> sneaks in a row. But that was when, that was pathetic beyond belief. It, 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 it totally, it absolutely was. But you had Mike Glennon in there, and so you know, I actually, I, I can, I understood and respected Joe Judge's reasoning for it. He's like, look, I don't have a team out there. What do you want me to do? Or well, we're playing the field position game. Um, but I, I read an interesting report, and it was kind of speculatory. But there was a theory that Judge had his meeting with Mara on Monday. It. He wasn't fired there. Joe Judge wanted Kevin Abrams to be promoted to GM. Now, Kevin Abrams is their assistant GM. He's been with the organization since Jerry Reese. And he's more of the numbers guy. He's the contract guy. He's the one who figures out the numbers. He's not necessarily the scout and, and evaluate talent, talent evaluator. So Joe Judge wanted Kevin Abrams promoted to GM and basically make himself, Joe Judge, the, the talent evaluator. Oh, Jesus, God. And, and that good, good is what Lord. led to his firing. <laughs> wow. And so the Giants were like, no, we're not promoting <laughs> Kevin Abrams. We need a football guy. We need a talent evaluator in here. If you're not willing to be that second guy, it's done. And so now the giants have officially cleaned house. I'm a fan. So I'm optimistic. They find the right one, but since Coughlin, you've had McAdoo, you've had Shermer now Joe judge. So you're on your fourth coach in uh, six years. Funny McAdoo's record probably looks pretty good right about now. It was a giant disappointment at the time, but I bet you after the ones since him, he probably wouldn't be too bad to get yeah. him back. You know, I, I, I think I, I would really like Brian Flores. I don't know if he's going to hang around long enough. Um, seems like a lot of other teams want him to. Um, I think I sent you guys my list of, of who I would want yeah. to be hired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the jobs, and it's funny. I saw the jobs, the, the of available NFL jobs ranked. Uh, right now there's seven and the giants were six of seven, which I didn't, I mean, I guess uh, considering the, the, maybe the current state of the roster, but it's a reasonably prestigious job. Yeah. And that's a team that, and that's a team that spends money. You know, it's an organization that spends money on it, on its team. So I, you know, I think I I would see that as one of the more desirable jobs. And also I think that, Usually they're very loyal to their employees and give them a long time to yeah. try to do, to do what they're doing. And lots of internal promotions. You see, and, you know, executives moving up the ladder. Yeah. Mara and Tish are, they are respected owners. They, look, they've been a bad organization for a few years, but they are respected owners, I think. And they're, I'm, a, I'm pretty sta- they're pretty, a pretty stable organization. Yeah. So, so I, I yeah. would think that the, the giants would be a little bit more of a prestige prestigious uh job there but you know i they they stink right now i i've 
other than this show, I've made a vow not to talk about the Giants. <laughs> I, I'll be a fan. Hey, look, come once the preseason starts, and I will think they're going to play off team. I'm a fan. Um, I'll root for them, but they stink. And uh, they've, they've gravely disappointed this year. So do you think these these changes make it more likely that they'll find a new quarterback? See, my brother and I, we were going back and forth on this. I think, you know, I, Daniel Jones's neck injury is still concerning. I haven't heard any updates other than he's not cleared to play yet. I think that's huge. I don't think the Giants should take one. They have two top 10 picks. I don't think you pick a quarterback in those two top 10 spots. If you can trade out of it uh, and pick up, like if you can trade out that second pick or, or either one of those two and fall back later in the first round this year and get another first round next year, I think maybe you take that first top 10, get an O-lineman, and then later in the first round, maybe you can go after a Matt Corral or um, uh, uh, Prickett, uh, Pickett guy. Well, let's, um, or let's the kid from Liberty, Malik, uh, something Malik, the kid from Liberty looks really good, but I, you don't do a quarterback in the top 10. So, well, let's, let's talk about corral because and then this will get us was- yelling at each other again, because <laughs> I, I know we're on opposite sides of this one too. Yep. So Matt corral, who is probably going to be the first quarterback pick. And I disagree that he's not going in the top 10. There's always somebody who needs a quarterback badly enough to take one with one of these to jump on one with one of these picks. And I, if Before I'm the Giants, you, I'd take him at four. Well, I'd take him at three I, or four. I think I, 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 you can, I don't want to cut you off. I didn't mean to cut you off, and, and we can get into the Matt Corral story. I just think going – that's a reach, and it's a bigger gamble. Same – the issue with Daniel Jones. I had no problem drafting him. It was at six when you had a pick late. So I, I think but, you but have if to he works out, it doesn't. There. if he works out, it doesn't matter. Like if and you if dra- it doesn't work out, here we are. So I, I, I agree with your point that he, he might go. He, he's a top three quarterback prospect. Easy. Like, un, uh, you, I don't think you can debate that. So if, if a team feels like, hey, this is our only need at quarterback and the rest, we don't have any other holes, you absolutely can draft up to get a quarterback in the top 10. I think it's foolish to do that with so many needs like the Giants have. I agree. I agree. I, and I agree. And especially because if Jones comes back from this injury, he's not that bad. I mean, he's, sure. and he's improved. So, I mean, he's not the reason that the Giants are doing horrible. Well, and, and Zach Wilson or no Zach, Zach Wilson, I want Kayvon Thibodeau with, with yeah. the Jets first pick, no matter, no matter where, hopefully it's two or three. Cause I think that's what it's going to have to be. But, now, uh, do the Jets also, I think, have two picks in the top they 10. They do. They have, uh, I forget who's, they have San Francisco's pick, I think? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Niners? Okay. So, anyway. Yeah, well, or is it Miami's? They're in the, they have two in the top 10. Yeah. It couldn't be San Francisco's, I don't think, because um, they're in the playoffs. So, any, anyway, back to uh, the Matt Corral situation, mm-hmm. who, you know, we talked last week, I think maybe the week before also, about these players who opt out of bowl games. And my point was that you could potentially ruin your NFL career. And it looks like he's lucky his ankle's not broken, but had it been broken, he's certainly going to tumble in the draft and, and lose millions of dollars right off the bat. And potentially, you know, there's always a potential for a catastrophic injury, whether it's a head injury or a, a, a broken arm or a broken leg for a quarterback. Either of those could be 
potentially career threatening. So I think he really escaped a potentially, you know, career destroying injury for nothing. There was no reason for him to play in that bowl game. And that's why I'm, you know, and that was my point that the, these things that there's a risk to these players even participating in these games. And if they do, it's stupid. And I think, so, you know, I think that these bowl games should go the way of, um, you know, um, pterodactyls. 41, just, uh, 41 bowl games this year. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're just, no one watches them and no one goes to them. And, you know, it's just, they, instead what should happen, I think, is that the playoffs should be uh, in college should be eight teams rather than um, four. And then, you know, and that would be the bulk of what you so, do. I, again, this, it's funny. I don't disagree with your point, Joe, I get it, but I, where I do disagree is I don't think it's, you know, for nothing. He's playing for nothing. Now, yes, a bowl game is nothing is makes the university and the NCAA a lot of money. Right. So it's, it's, and sponsors there's, it's it's, it's, it's a lot of business and corporations making a lot of money on the players backs. I get that point. And well, and it's also, I think, it's also hotels and conference centers and there's, yeah, there's a whole industry right. around it. So, right. You know, we're, we're talking about, and, and it's, it's a similar argument to be made in the NBA. There's only a select few of NBA players who can demand a trade, no matter their situation and actually get it right. Like James Harden, LeBron, do you demand a trade? I'm not playing for you anymore. You're out. There's a select few. And there's only a select few of college players that, that really, are going to the NFL to begin with. So to sit there and say this bowl is 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 meaningless, you know, tell that to everybody else on the roster. And and it does mean something to them. So oh, good point. Good point. I think that is why a guy like Matt Corral is playing. And I can respect that. He's not saying because any any game, there's injury risk. Brock Bra- uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end for Georgia, is a freshman. He can't declare for the NFL but he's going to be in the NFL. So should he play his sophomore year and and junior year? He's already, he's, he's clearly going into next year, the top ranked tight end in college football. So why should he play? Because Georgia could win the national championship point, Matt. Why should he play? He should go work out on his own. I guess I, I just look, there's, there's a risk in everything that you do. And so I get, I, I get your point, Joe. I, I'm not trying to say that kids should be forced into playing these bowl games. I actually understand why they don't, but there is a reason if, if they do opt in to play, there is a reason why. And I respect that reason. They, they fully bought into I'm a team player. It's, I mean, it's, it's more than me. college has, been good to me. has there ever been, has there ever been a player? I mean, let's even go back to um, who was it? Was it Willis McGahee or Maurice Claret who blew out his knee? He, the whole ACL, MCL, PCL tore his, busted up his knee in the national championship. Granted, it was a meaningful game. He still got drafted and had an NFL career. So I just don't think. Well, not Maurice Claret. He didn't yeah, have much so of a maybe, career. I think it was yeah. Willis McGahee um, for U.S. or who? Miami, um, I think. Well, yeah, the Miami running back. I think it was Willis McGahee, Miami against Ohio State. He totally blew out his knee. 
and he still had an NFL career. So, but again, did did Willis McGahee have the NFL career that he could have? Probably not. Uh, he had, but he had, but how do we know what that means? Uh, so, I guess I, I get your point. I'm not saying that. Yeah, everybody, nobody should play, or everyone should. I just think it's not meaningless. It means a lot to a lot of players, and there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into a season. And I respect the guys who said. I'm going to play for my team. I realize the risk I'm taking, but this is why I'm doing it. And, and, you know, and I think too, if you want to show loyalty to your teammates, take them out to dinner with your NFL bonus check. (laughs) Which Matt Matt Corral is still going to get. So, but guys, how come the sec controls major football? Well, that's, that's where we are now. I mean, it is, it's, it's just like, it's every year it's going to be Georgia or Alabama or Clemson when they, yeah, they make Clemson, their resurgence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much what it's been for the last seven years. And that's why, you know, I think, I don't think it's going to change. They, they have the top recruiting class. I think there, there's going to be the potential for other teams to crack it once in a while. Like we'll see a Notre Dame here and Cincinnati. there. Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati's not going to contend for the national championship. Cincinnati's not going to beat. Yeah, but they're not going to beat Alabama or Georgia. No, I think, no, but they so got into the final four. There, yeah. Right. But I'm yeah. saying no one's going to actually contend for the championship other than those. There'll be a couple, a couple of years that Ohio State sticks their nose in there or Notre Dame or maybe one of the West Coast teams, maybe USC or UCLA. Yeah, but your basic point is that Georgia and Alabama will be two of those final four teams every year. It's going to be Georgia. It's going to come from Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. And again, if anyone else sort of insinuates himself into that group, it'll be another SEC team. Yeah, The SEC more than just the team, because I guess there's no way to know this, but like, I think when Saban leaves, it's fair to think that Alabama is going to drop off a little bit because I think there's something to be said for his management style, how he coaches and how he delegates, but the SEC itself, yeah, the SEC itself will still be as dominant as ever. I mean, especially with the way the power five moves around and everything like that. Can we take a minute though? And did you guys watch the national championship game? Yeah. Yeah. I I want to give Saban a little bit of credit because I'm I was like I'm over Saban, but the way he handled this loss, I want to give him a lot of respect. Um, he he took time to congratulate Kirby Smart. I know they have a personal relationship, so but he he took his press conference time to congratulate him. Uh, the way he stood up for his players after they lost, I I just I guess we're always used to seeing a cocky arrogant Nick Saban. Um, and for the first time he was humble and graceful in defeat. So I, I, I just want to, you know, he, good for him. Yeah. I don't think it's, I, I wouldn't say it's the first time. I think he's a, he's a very professional man, right? Yeah. He does everything very professionally and he's, I, I, it's what I sort of expected. It's you're right. It's not something we see a lot from him because he rarely loses, but I, it's not. I didn't expect him to be throwing tantrums and and blaming the officials. I, I you know, he's he's a like I said, he's he's a professional, and so he, he yeah, handled would, it. Would you say the same thing about Belichick? Do you think? Because I, I, I it yeah, wasn't oh, absolutely, I absolutely would. Yeah. If Belichick gets beaten by Mike Tomlin in the AFC Championship game, he's going to be very gracious. Yeah, but but he's like, we're on to Cincinnati. 
he just, he's very short, I guess, with Belichick. And I kind of, I would have been, I, I kind of would have expected Saban to be like, not throw a tantrum or blame other people, but I guess he was just, I don't know. I, I thought he handled it different. Like he wasn't short with reporters. He wasn't looking, he wasn't, I don't know. I, it just, it felt different than when Belichick loses a Super Bowl. Um, no, when Belichick loses anything, or he, sometimes even when he wins, he's miserable. The poor reporters that have to cover his press conferences. You know what it is? I think that his main goal is to not give the other team, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, blackboard material or whatever. Well, uh, I, I think it's it's blackboard material, and it's also anything strategic, too. Like, he is really yeah. kind of very guarded when he talks about And Saban is, too. You'll hear, Saban rarely talks about specific football things in in response to reporters questions he he's more of a philosophy of man type question answer you know what i mean so anyway interesting you know college football is fun to watch just like college basketball is and um you know pro is too um who's who's gonna win the bills or the patriots i i, I think the patriots are going to the super bowl i oof. I, you know, I want to, but I, you know, I bet on Baltimore and it kills me. I shouldn't do it. Um, not Baltimore, but um, Buffalo. Um, because I have to tell you that Josh, Josh Allen, I mean, his last game against the Patriots, I've never seen a quarterback have that great a game. It was just unbelievable. Now he's inconsistent. He doesn't always do that, but boy, he was spectacular. He single-handedly beat the Patriots. They were I just down, I can't believe you're betting against Belichick in the playoffs. Yeah. It's it's Mac I, I next year I won't. This year it it's I still can't get past the rookie quarterback and I know in the middle of the season he did he wasn't playing like a rookie. Towards the end of the season, yeah. he was, yeah. and I, I go even go back to the first time they beat the Bills in Buffalo. I know the weather was there, but they didn't. Mac Jones threw it three times. They clearly didn't. They weren't going to be like, "All right, Mac Jones, you play." That Bill Belichick's genius is, you know, playing to their strengths, and even him that that shows me that they don't believe that Mac Jones is a strength. So. I don't know. Well, yeah. What's the spread? What's the spread on this game, Daryl? Four points. Um, four or five. You know, and the thing is, uh, I mean, Buffalo is a much better team across the board. You know, uh, New England's defense is not that good. They looked good early, but it was because they were playing patsies. They're not that good, and they can't. The last game, they couldn't stop uh, Singletary. So, uh, but you know what? This is. Um, it's just like sort of, you know, the year that um, the Patriots went undefeated and then got beat by the Giants. I still consider that a successful year, even though most of society thought it was not. And I, the same thing about this year. This was a very two years ago. They, you know, after Brady left, they were in horrible trouble. And most teams that lose, you know, a Roethlisberger, a, a, a Brady, they fall on their selves for three or four years. And in two, in the second year, uh, Belichick got him back. So this was a very successful season. Ten wins, and they made the playoffs. I'm so with you I there. Don't, I, I, they, I don't they think they're going to win, but but I'd love it if they do. <laughs> yeah. 
I still think you know, that you know, offensively, you, know, you know, Mac Jones had a statistically better year than Josh Allen, right? Yeah, but Matt's point about what he's done in his last four games is very important. Yeah, but the, to, the, to, to say that there's this, a tremendous gap between the two quarterbacks, Jones's Jones's numbers are better. His rating is higher. Which ones are you comparing to? I'm not debating. I'm just I'm just curious because I'm not looking at him. So how? I mean, Josh Allen. I'm, I'm going fantasy football wise here. Fair. Uh, Josh oh, Allen was like, which, which is all statistics. Josh Allen was a top two quarterback in fantasy football. So I'm, I'm using quarterback rating, which takes into account okay, more yeah, than yeah. more than just three yeah. statistics, which is all fantasy football is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, it, actually, it's two. It's yardage and touchdowns, and uh, and they're close. Uh, Jones is ninety two and a half. And Allen's ninety two point two. So to say that they're that Allen is so far superior, the teams they split their two regular season games. I'm stunned, Daryl. The guy that bleed literally bleeds Patriot blue and yes. red and Celtic green. I'm stunned that you could pick against them in the playoffs. Well, it, it Haven't hurts you watched them it in the playoffs me. for the last twenty years? Yes, absolutely. But it, no, it hurts me. It's why I quit betting once before because I didn't want to bet against the Patriots. It's going to be close, and it might be within the four points. Um, but Buffalo is just a better team this year, um, a better team. That doesn't yeah. mean they're going to beat Belichick in the playoffs. That's that's my point. Is that he, yeah? He no, is... That's, that's but, see, I, I, <laughs> Belichick isn't playing. I, he's the greatest coach ever, but he's not. It's so, funny that we've gone back and forth all yeah, day today on the mystique versus logic, and we've both been ta- we've both taken both sides of 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 it at different different points. So I, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. So it's been a successful show. <laughs> <laughs> is that the, is that the goal? You guys got together a year That's, and a half ago. Daryl said, "Look, I got disruptive. this friend Joe. I'm trying to drive him slowly insane. Do you think you can help me?" <laughs> I said, "I got this. Let it's me working. let me let me crack at him. I got it." Officially, it's <laughs> It's taken us uh, 68 shows. So what about stupid baseball? Can we talk about stupid baseball? No. no. Oh, come on. But it's interesting, Daryl. Can I I just make one statement? Baseball is stupid. Are they still locked out? Is that what's going on? They've had one uh, short meeting and one hour meeting. They aren't even negotiating. No, Daryl, your your bet, I, I think it's the smart bet to make, yeah. but I'm surprised you're making it against your team. Like I personally, I would stay away from that because I'm going to root for the Giants. I'm not, but I think it's the smart bet just because you're in Buffalo and it's a rookie quarterback. And and to me, that's all. The, if, if I don't I'm think betting, that means, I don't think that means, odds, I don't think rookie quarterback means what it used to mean. I also, no, no, it doesn't. But, but the, um, but the other thing, the reason that uh, I'm worried about the Patriots is that uh, Buffalo figured out how to stop the run, New England's run in the last game. And yeah. that's for Jones to do well, they need Harris and Stevens running like crazy. And when they, when they, when those guys do that, they're very effective and Jones is much more effective. So again, I, I don't know what team you've been watching for the last two decades, Daryl, but to think that because Buffalo made one adjustment and stopped the run in one game, that that's the end of it, that there's not going to be anything that happens after I'm that. I'm betting on talent and just betting on talent. They well, and that's, so that's the other thing when you bet a team, and this is the problem with you. This is why I never, this is why I stay far away from betting on teams that I root for, because you can't, First of all, like Matt said, you end up with this conflict where you have to root against yourself. And then you also, I feel like 
my assessment of the bet was always going to be colored by, even if it was just by over familiarity with the team or just some sort of like that, it would somehow get into my evaluation process too. So I, I think when you're looking at your own team, you can't even accurately judge how much better or worse they are than another team. Does that make sense? Well, and also though, one reason, so I've had this very successful year of betting. Um, you know, so wait, are you going to be able to retire? <laughs> well, no, $600, but still okay. it's, it's good money. And so, but I'm also would like to basically get rid of it the last few weeks on, you know, betting. So that's sort of why I bet the Patriots too, is it just, I've got the money to burn. And, You're trying to intentionally lose money, so you bet against Belichick. Yeah. If you want to intentionally give it away, you know, I think you know where I live. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I've been incredibly successful this year. So what can yeah, I say? Yeah, you chip in for the podcast, I, Bill. You know, and it's like I, that's why I want to keep doing it. I don't know what what it is, but um, so I picked Kansas City to cover their 14 points or whatever it is. I think I picked Cincinnati and. Um, I think I stayed away from the Steelers game. I, How about uh, the Rams Cardinals? Did you bet that one? That's a tough one, but yeah, I don't think be I bet one. that one. Um, I've got the Rams winning the whole thing. The whole thing. I've got Rams. I've got Rams and Titans. Wow. So I've got yeah. I've got Patriots and Bucks, and I don't really want to see anything else. That uh, look, I would uh, I, as just from what I would love to see, that would be fun. That would be a great that would game. Be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun to see and watch. Um, that's a fairy tale. That would be cool. I've got the Rams and Titans though. I think uh, the Rams Titans are, are figuring good. it out. Titans yeah. are good, and they've Titans got Derrick Henry coming back. Well, and I'm pretty convinced that the NFC is overwhelmingly superior this year. So the champ champ's going to come from the NFC. I don't know which of those top three teams it's going to be, but it could be any of them. I, the Rams. Eh. Oh, I know who I, the other team I bet against was the 49ers, even though they're a good team. I have that. I, I think they'll beat the Cowboys. I think they've got the. I, I think it was a covering thing too. Uh, I mean, again, that's that's the Cowboys are covered by. I, own. I want to include in don't bet your own team that NFC East fans shouldn't bet on any NFC East teams because the, you all are nuts. Doesn't matter if you're an Eagles fan or a Giant fan, you are all a Cowboys fans. You are all nuts. Yeah. Well. Hey. No, argue, no argument from anybody. Wait, right. What do you want me to say? Yeah. I, I've got to be nuts to root for the Giants these last few years to, yeah. to know I'm coming back. But no, you know what? But I, I think that's like a big thing. That's one thing I've enjoyed about this this uh, sports broadcast that we do is that, you know, you get like I'm assuming, Matt, that your kids have a certain leaning toward the Giants, your boys. Nope. Okay. So that's a surprise. But but um you know, the thing is, for whatever reason, you know, when you get whatever teams you kind of follow when you're up to 15, 16, that sort of stays with you the rest of your life. And, you know, I, I as a kid, I there was a chunk of my life where I was a Dallas Cowboy fan. There was a chunk of my life where I was a big Broncos fan. The, when they were the losing, were always among my favorites. What's that? When they when Denver was losing every Super Bowl, when they well no with Elway when they won the two in a row as a young kid no, they Denver, lost you four in a row. Who always wins? He's too young for that, Daryl. He doesn't remember that. He lost four Super Bowls in a row. That was the Bills. No, that was De well, Denver didn't lose four. I think they lost yeah. two. Right? Yeah. 
Uh, the, the Buffalo Bills won, uh, lost four in a row. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I, I remember yeah. that. I, I, um, I, so I, I moved around. My kids, uh, Tyler. The Denver's lost five Super Bowls. In a row? No, not in a row. No. Oh, all right. yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost uh, 86, 87, and 89, though. The only one, the only one they won was with the injured Manning. Uh, no, no, they, they won, won in '97 and '98 with Elway, and then yep. 2015 okay. with Manning. Then they lost in '77, '86, '87, '89, and 2013 to Seattle, I think. Yeah. As far as my kids go, Jake kind of likes the Giants, but he he's the kid who likes whoever's winning at that moment. So every 10 minutes, he has a new favorite team. Tyler, he's actually, he's really into football and statistics this year. So he actually is rooting. He loves Devonte Adams. That's his favorite player right now. So he's kind of like a Packers fan and he likes Joe Burrow. So he's actually, he told me in the playoffs, he's rooting for Cincinnati. I, I, I like Joe Burrow. That, that yeah, guy is going to be I good. Like team. I like his swagger, his sort of, uh, you know, his moxie, he's, he, I, I'll root for him for the next few years. That's a team. It's funny. Cause Matt, I don't know if you'll remember when they were good too, but the Bengals have been one of the most up and down franchises in my lifetime where they, they're either terrible or they're really good. Like they had some really great teams, you know, some, some decent teams in the eighties when they had Boomer Esiason. Daryl remembers Boomer Esiason as a player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even with Andy Dalton, they were, they were a playoff contending team i don't think they really were afc championship contending but they've you know, had plenty of two, they've had plenty of two win seasons too in there yes they have yes they have the bungles so, yeah so it's good it's good to see them succeed well thanks thanks for listening everybody thanks an awful lot and uh, enjoy this we're incredibly cold here in the east Joe, you wouldn't believe it. We're we're like at three degrees right now. Holy crap! No, it was like sixty and sunny here the other day. Yeah, I was out there in shorts and a t-shirt. No, we're we're hunkering down. We're hunkering down. You're you're all welcome. Well, you're retiring, Daryl. Move west. I, I'm going to be uh, traveling around the country in a few uh, months, and I'll be very excited. Two two months, I'm leaving for Mexico. All right. Thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus on WXOJLP Northampton. See you next week. Thanks, everybody.